0: The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. We're going to talk about a man from Alexandria. Alexandria was one of the great centers of learning of the ancient world, and just about every culture today owes something to Alexandria. This is... Alexandria, Egypt, not to be confused with Alexandria, Louisiana. It's never been known of a center as a center of learning. We get geometry from Euclid who studied at the library in Alexandria. Pretty amazing place. So a rendering of it you can see here. Over 500,000 books were said to have been there. A guy named Eratosthenes, 1,700 years before Columbus, argued that the world was round, not only argued that the earth was round, but measured the circumference of the earth to within 50 miles. Archimedes calculated the grains of sand in the universe. And then he developed a great... Uh, a great simple machine that was used initially as a weapon of war, it's all around us today, called the lever. And one of the guys that studied there, his name was Aristarchus. Aristarchus lived from 310 B.C. to 230 B.C. And among other things, he developed the concept of a heliocentric solar system. And that is the idea that the earth and all of the planets revolve around... The sun, rather than the sun and all the other planets revolving around the earth. People thought he was crazy. For The next 1700 years they thought he was wrong, but actually he was right. You can see it, there's the model, all the planets revolving around the sun. We've got them labeled, in case you went to college in Louisiana, the sun's the big orange one in the middle, okay? <laughs> Amazing things happening in Alexandria. Uh, we want to talk about another guy from Alexandria today, though, a man named Apollos, it's no surprise when you read what the Scripture says about him. Acts 18.24, now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, or he was a learned man. We read just last week or a couple of weeks ago that God set the times and places that we would live. So that we might perhaps reach out for him or seek him, though he's not far from any one of us. You can see how sovereign God planned long ago for Paulus to grow up in Alexandria. He was an eloquent man, a learned man, competent in the Scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to come to, to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him. And he wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, it says he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. God, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Apollos and how You used this man from Alexandria to help us see what it looks like to be competent in the Scriptures, growing in the Scriptures, growing in community. Thank You, Father, for how You used him to impact the early church. Thank You, God, for the opportunity we have to look in the word to learn from it to grow together god would you be with us and by your holy spirit would you teach us and would you shape us for your glory and that our joy might be made full in jesus name amen well this man from alexandria apollos it says in verse 24 he was competent in the scriptures in my translation if you've got the niv it says mighty in other translation might say able It's the Greek word dunatos. Dunatos, it's able or mighty or powerful. Same root as the word we get in Acts 1.8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. A little different word, same root, dunamis. But they're both, it's where we get the English word dynamite from. Luke, the author of Acts and God Himself want us to understand. Apollos was strong in the Scripture. He was strong strong in the scripture. Well, how do we know this? Because it tells us he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. Well, what they have at, at this time is the Old Testament. He's teaching accurately from the Old Testament about Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. What do we learn about Apollos? Apollos knew the Word and he was growing as a man of the Word. He knew the Word and he was growing as a man of the Word. Well, why does it matter that you know the Word and are growing as a person of the Word? Well, let's see what the Word has to say about that. Psalm 18:30. This God, His way is perfect. The Word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for those who take refuge in Him. Psalm 19:7 through 11 and the drippings of the honeycomb. Now how sweet is that? Is there anything else on earth you know of that's so sweet that we send people in the midst of thousands of bees to get it? Say honey's pretty sweet. But the Word of God is sweeter than even the drippings from the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, by your words, your commandments, your rules, your precepts, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them, there is great reward. Psalm one nineteen, then, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments, and I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. First Timothy or Second Timothy three, fifteen through seventeen, Paul's telling Timothy how from childhood he has been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. For all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's literally theonoustos, inspired by God, breathed out from God, from His mouth. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. Hebrews 4, 12, For the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, thoughts and intentions of the heart. See, he's growing as a man of the Word. He's competent in the Scripture. He's competent in the Scripture. If we're going to be a person who's following Christ well and declaring Christ well, We need to be people who are growing the Word. Not that we know it all perfectly. Apollo sure didn't. He had to be instructed. And he was. But he understood the Word. And he was growing in the Word. Second thing is that he understood the Hebrew Scriptures to be about the person and work of Jesus Christ. He understood the Hebrew Scriptures, that is the Old Testament, to be about the person and work of Christ. He taught them accurately the things concerning Jesus. In verse 28... It says that he was refuting the Jews, showing by the Scriptures that the Christ, the coming Messiah, was Jesus. See, the Old Testament, it's about Jesus. Uh, Luke's not just telling us that here in Acts. Jesus tells us that. John five thirty-nine through 46 he's talking to the Pharisees and he says, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote of me. The Old Testament, the law, the prophets, the Psalms, they're pointing to the coming Messiah. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. It's in accordance with the Scriptures. The Old Testament was pointing to this reality. That Christ was coming. The risen Christ on the road to Emmaus. He's walking with these two disciples. And he says, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them... Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. See, those who had eyes to see, if they were looking at the Old Testament, could see it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. See, the Old Testament, the law, the prophets, the Psalms, they're about a promise made. And the New Testament is about a promise kept. We saw that in Luke 13. We see it here in Luke 18. If you look throughout Luke's narrative accounts in the Gospels and in Acts, you can see this pattern. Promise made, promise fulfilled. Promise made, promise fulfilled. The Old Testament is about this promise made that Messiah would come. And the New Testament shows that promise is kept. See, Apollos was a man of the Word. He was growing in the Word. He understood that the Scripture revolved around Jesus. He is the center of the story. And then Apollos followed Jesus in gospel community. He followed Jesus in gospel community. See, he's teaching the Scripture accurately, but he only knows the baptism of John. So Priscilla and Aquila, they don't rebuke him publicly. They take him aside. They're tent makers, but they take him aside and they teach him. And they're content for him to be up front, for him to be teaching, and they're just in the background serving and sharing and helping him to grow. See, there's a great amount of meekness that Priscilla and Aquila exhibit, but then also that Apollos exhibits toward them. They're working together and they're serving together. They've each just got a role to play. Can can you imagine what it would be like to be a public speaker? People are listening to what you're saying. You're competent. Scripture says he was competent in the Scripture. But then when these two tent makers said, Look, we need to teach you some things. You need to grow in this area. You need to understand this. He was ready to receive it. But then they also, as they taught him and saw him growing, were happy to send him to believers. And then verse 27, we see, When he arrived, he greatly encouraged those who by grace had believed. He greatly encouraged those who by grace had believed God's using him to encourage the church. He helped the church who by grace had believed, make no mistake about it, when it comes to relationship with God, we bring nothing to the table. If we have believed, it's by his grace. And by his grace today, he'd give you life in Jesus. We know that from the scripture. See, what we learn from Apollos chiefly is that there is power in. In the Word. There's power in the Word of God. There's power in the Word. That's what we learn about Apollos. Well, what do we learn from Paul in this text? We learn that there's power in the Spirit. Verse 1 of 19 tells us that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus, and there he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, surely being Jews who had followed John, they knew that there was a Spirit of God that, that had been prophesied that would be on the Messiah to preach the good news, but they didn't know the Holy Spirit had come. He says, well, in, into what were you baptized then? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who has come after him, that is, Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And there were about 12 men in all. Now, what in the world is happening here? God's putting His power on display. We see... A few times in the book of Acts, the Spirit comes and people speak in tongues and prophesy. Well, what does that look like? What's going on? Well, what's going on is that a sign has been spoken of and the sign occurs and then it recurs and then it recurs. Let's look. In Joel, or Acts 19.6, he says, The Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. It's a fulfillment of a prophecy in Joel. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. So what happened when Jesus breathed on the disciples, when he was with them in the upper room, and then at Pentecost in Acts... It happened again and then to the Gentiles in Acts 10 and then to these Essenes, these followers of John in Acts 18. It says, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. What These these men began to speak in other languages, to speak in other tongues and the crowd's amazed and says, what does this mean? But some people said, well, oh, they're drunk. And Peter said, they're not drunk, but this... Is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came to them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. This sign, this prophecy is being fulfilled. It's a display for the new church that the Spirit of God has come, that the kingdom of God has come. Paul entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. See, John's ministry that these guys had been following was never meant to be permanent. He was a forerunner who prepared the way, and then he was to decrease, and Christ was to increase because the kingdom of God was coming kingdom of God was coming. And Paul continues to minister here, first in the synagogue and then in a lecture hall of a Gentile philosopher. And it says he ministered there for two years and throughout Asia, which Asia then was modern day Turkey now, throughout Asia, the word of God spread and multiplied for a thousand miles around them. The spirit of God's using his teaching to make much of Jesus among the nations. See, there's power in the Word. There's power in the Spirit. And then there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. We, we learn this from the sons of Sceva. See, it says, God was doing extraordinary miracles, verse 11, by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons had touched his skin and they were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. See, there's power in the Word, and there is power in the Spirit. But then, this passage goes on to say that there were seven sons of Sceva. And it says he was a Jewish high priest. Now, if you look at history, he he wouldn't have been one of the high priests, but part of the high priestly family. And his sons are exorcists. And people had been using... Other names before Jesus came along, people had been trying to use the name of Yahweh. And now these people are trying to use the name of Jesus because they recognize and understand. See, Paul's handkerchief, his aprons are touching people and they're being healed. There's power in Jesus. They don't understand, though, that it's to be stewarded carefully in the context of relationship with Jesus. So it says that they go to a man with an evil spirit and they try to cast him out. Cast the spirit out of the man and it says that they say, We adjure you or we call on you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Come out. And then reality TV ensues. It says that the man with the spirit leapt on them and subdued them such that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. It's like an episode of Cops without the Cops. It's just a bad situation. This is horrible. I, I grew up in, in Southeast Texas in the country, and as a boy, wasn't the right thing to do, but just the way you settled things sometimes was fighting. So I did that, and sometimes I won, and sometimes I lost, but I never, ever ran out of a house naked and bleeding. <laughs> See, it's a dangerous thing to try to co-opt the name of Jesus for your own purposes. And I I don't I don't know what these guys were doing if they were trying to just co-opt Jesus for their purposes, like this guy trying to get a sixty-five million dollar jet in Jesus' name. I don't know if maybe they'd heard people pray in the name of Jesus, or maybe they'd heard and misunderstood. You can hear, well, you ask anything in my name and I'll give it to you. You just take that at plain meaning and you think, well, I'll just I'll just use this like a rabbit's foot and get whatever I want. That's not what the scripture means, and that's not how it works. See, there are three lessons to learn from this encounter. And the first is this that the power of God doesn't come by incantation. You just can't throw the name of Jesus into whatever situation you want and expect everything's going to turn out how you want. He's not a rabbit's foot, He's the Son of the living God and the Lord of the universe. And He rules and He reigns. When we ask according to His will, the Scripture tells us, He hears us. And we know we have the request we've made. But He's not a rabbit's foot. Using the name of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus are two distinct realities. So you may have come here today and you may have even walked an aisle somewhere and prayed a prayer, but do you know Him? Are you in relationship with Him? With him, Are you a part of His people? It's one thing to name His name. It's an entirely different thing to know and live in relationship with a living God. And the third thing is, you can't checkmate God. You can't checkmate God. They thought they had this figured out. We'll cast out some demons. We'll use the name of Jesus. We'll make a little money. This will work out great. You can't checkmate God. He is sovereign. And He rules and He reigns. See, the sons of Sceva thought they could co-opt God for their own purposes. There's some more lessons to learn. One is that you just don't tag Jesus on to whatever you're doing for your own purposes and your own success, thinking life's revolving around you. Another is that there's a way to do mission that is without spiritual authority. There's a way to do mission that is without spiritual authority. These guys think they're going to use the name of Jesus. And hey, it'll be good. The guy will lose his demon. He'll be better. But there's no spiritual authority in their life because they're not in the Word. They're not in the church. It's a dangerous, dangerous thing. They had themselves at the center. But the Word of God tells a different story. It has someone else at the center. See, there was a man from Alexandria. Alexandria. Not not Aristarchus, but Apollos. And he came to realize that all of the Bible, but not just all the Bible, all of history and all of life revolves around one blazing center. And his name is Jesus. See, what's the blazing center for you? What's the blazing center? Have you just kind of brought Jesus in and got some life insurance and you're just bringing him along and hopefully it works out where your dreams and his will can work out together? But if not, hey, you you got life insurance. Or is he really this blazing center that you look at it long enough, it'll hurt your eyes? but he brings this warmth and brightness to life that without it, life can't exist. He's the blazing center. See, that's really the difference in Apollos and the sons of Sceva. One knew Jesus as the one that life revolves around, and the other just didn't. They just didn't. So what, what do we do? To seek to make him the center. I think it really starts with being a people of the word, empowered by the Spirit, who are knowing and following Jesus. How do we do this? How do we do this? How can I move toward making Jesus the blazing center my life revolves around? Well, can I change the amount of time I spend in the Word? Can I change the amount of time I spend in the Word? Can you spend a little more time in the Word? You know, I I don't I mean, I don't know, Chase, of uh I've got a couple of hours a day committed to Facebook, and I, I really can't lay that aside. I've got to see how my friends are doing, right, so I can pray for them. Chase, listen, I'll spend time in the Word, but it's not going to get in the way of my fishing, is it? I mean, It's not getting in the way of me golfing. It's not going to get in the way of me going shopping. Another one that's become huge in our culture, listen, we need to be fit. We ought to be fit. If you exercise, keep at it. If you don't, you ought to start. But then if, if we're doing that to the exclusion of being in the Word, be careful that, that instead of trying to be healthy, we're not sculpting an idol in our own body. Be in the Word. And don't just be in the Word. Don't be in the Word alone. Be in the Word with people. You heard Barry's testimony of how the Chungs impacted him. They were in the Word together, and now he and Monica leading this group, they're in the Word together. Are you in a gospel community? Are you in a small group? Are you in a Sunday school class? There's information out back about how you can get in the Word with others in gospel community. Can I lovingly share the truth about Jesus with someone I know this week? I wonder if Barry's friend knows how God has used his willingness to sit down and talk about the Bible, to impact not just Barry, but then all the people God used Barry to impact. Can I lovingly share Jesus with someone I know this week? See, the reason you want to be in the Word is not just so you'll know the Word well, but so you'll know Jesus well, so that He'll be the blazing center. See, you don't have to be mighty in the Scriptures to start reading it. But you do have to start if you're ever going to be mighty in the Scripture. Can you start this week? Father, thank you for Apollos. And thank you for the picture we have in his life. And God, thank you for even the sons of Sceva that we see the danger of just kind of co-opting you for our own purposes. God, help us to be people who are living in gospel community together, who are in the Word, who are knowing the Word and growing together and who are sharing Christ, who are, as we seek the blazing center, are reflecting His light to the community around us. In Jesus' name, amen. As you head out, if you don't know how to start, there's some devotions out right across from our missions map. You can pick them up or just get an app on your phone. Go see the Brewers and Rogers at their table. Encourage them as they go. You are dismissed.